Hey students, welcome to episode 55 of the Film Student Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Lazzaroni. My guest this week is Tim Ferrari from The Green Cohort. We talk about his time working in the LA film scene, the difficulty of writing the kind of material you actually love, and we talk about his biggest project to date, The Statesman Podcast. On with the show. I graduated from college in 2016. Where from? Uh, from Loyola, okay. so just up north in Chicago, and uh, I studied film there. Uh, after like bouncing around to so many different majors, I did. I think I did like six majors or something yeah. like that. And um, it's always it's always that you you want to do film from the outset, but you don't actually go to it because right. it's like, well, I got to give it a, a real try at something that like might actually pay bills. Right. If we're jumping back to it, I started out like wanting super badly to be a doctor, and I would like mm. I would shadow at hospitals all the time. Because my friend's uh, my friend's mom worked in the cardiac like cath lab where they would put stints up people's legs and yeah. like you know clear like bypass heart, heart stuff. Yeah. Um. So I wanted to do that for a really long time, and then I joined I joined the high school theater because I had a girlfriend who was in there, and I was like, this stuff's so cool, and I want to be closer to her. So <laughs> I started doing that. It's and, always following the women. And then it and then it just kind of like it took over my desire to make money. And yeah. I just wanted to do like theater stuff. Yeah. And so I went to college doing that and bounced around and then fell into film uh, after going to Rome. I, this is like a crazy, it's a crazy romantic Wait. story. Oh, literally ro- yeah. romantic because it starts in Rome. Yeah. Uh, but I, I had a best friend <laughs> who I met in Rome. We like okay. studied abroad. Uh, I didn't know him before we went, but I met him there and uh, he was, he was so passionate about film that it was contagious. And yeah. I just, because of him, I immediately fell in love with it. And yeah. I was in Italy at the time, and my last name is Ferrari. I'm Italian, so I like find super strong connection to that. And I started <laughs> watching Fellini and uh, Scorsese, even though he's not an Italian. But yeah, but yeah, I, so I fell in love with it that way. And then after I graduated college, I moved to LA mm-hmm. to work in production, and I fucking hated it. Really? Wait, what? Like, just jumped into PA roles and that sort of thing. I did. Or? I did more office assistant stuff, so I okay. was less like on sets, and I was more like back of house, like some accounting stuff, helping out the executive producers of this company. You were assistant line producing, basically. I was assistant <laughs> line producing. Uh, yeah, Oof. I would like cut the checks for the the for the production company, and so it like wasn't what I wanted to do necessarily. But I had a incredibly great time, like learning yeah. and stuff, and then. And then, like, I spent a year there, and I, I had remembered that uh, this film school was around because I had heard about it my senior year, and mm-hmm. was like, I'm gonna trek to LA instead of going to the school, and then came back for the school. Like, yeah. got in while I was there, and moved back like a month later. Yeah, and so uh, specifically for for this program, so you you'd heard about it. How did you originally hear about the program? That's... On like Facebook, yeah, like straight up, or okay. through like some comedy connections that I had. Okay. Yeah. A lot of people like, get uh, hear about it from podcasts. Like, oh, really? Yeah. It's it, And it's not even always firsthand that they that they get it from a podcast. Sometimes it's like, oh, my friend was listening to whatever whatever podcast and heard about it and then oh. told me about it. And, you know. What do they, what podcasts do they advertise Oh, they were on? They were on a ton. I mean, back when it first opened, it was on every improv-based podcast. Like, I want to say, like, oh. uh, Spontaneous Nation. Well, yeah. Spontaneous Nation. Yeah. Yeah, Spontaneous Nation. And, and then. Um, Comedy Bang uh, Bang, I guess. Comedy Bang Bang, it was on. And oh, interesting. Yeah, it's just a lot of those. I 
think I might have even heard it on Douglas movies at one point in time. Oh wow, uh, advertised. But nice yeah. job, Harold Ramis Film School, really <laughs> tapping into a great market there. They just, uh, <laughs> I mean, it it got uh, initial student base. And, yeah. Uh, but the tough thing is that's that's hard to sustain. That, yeah. That level of advertising. I think the 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 original goal was to try and have, you know, this become self sustaining after some point in time that that we would. Like the school would advertise itself. Yeah. You know, like the, the things that the students oh, sure. were doing would, would eventually build up enough of I a I think name. that's eventually the goal. Like one once like one person in any of these cohorts achieves like Sells even a, a sliver of fame, it's like oh all of a sudden this school is I mean uh, it seems like up. Alyssa's got the early uh uh run with uh, Pin fifteen. Uh I don't know if you've watched any of that yet. Whoa. Wait, what? She she worked on Pin Fifteen. She was like production coordinator or something, oh, like, or something like that. With like, oh. she and I want to say she got uh, promoted during the production because somebody left and she got moved up. Alyssa, if you're listening out there, you did a great <laughs> job on Pen Fifteen. I watched all of it, and it's uh, magical. What a touching show! Yeah, when Debbie Liebling came and spoke to us, she showed us the first two episodes oh. in like November or something like that. I've, and I've been like sitting on my hands, like excited, oh. waiting for for the release. That's I signed up for Hulu just to be able to to watch that. And it melted me. And Letterkenny, those are the two big ones. Yeah. Have you watched any Letterkenny? I have not watched Letterkenny. You need to go watch Letterkenny. I will watch it's it when a, I get it's home. All on. It's all on Hulu. It's nice. It's, uh, I like just found out that I have a Hulu subscription through my Spotify account. Really? I didn't know that I signed up for it, but I've been paying like $15 a month. For to get both together? <laughs> to get both together, and I didn't know. And so like last month, I was like, I want to, I I need a Hulu account. And so I tried using my email, and it was like, it's already in use. And I was like, what the fuck? Those bundle things are, are coming out, but I'm not hearing about all of them. Like there's, there's apparently one, if I pay $10 more to get like the next tier up on my Verizon phone, cell phone, that they toss in Apple Music. Which I'm paying ten bucks a month for, <laughs> and it's like so. Wait, I could get Apple Music plus more gigabytes on my on my unlimited for tethering, and and then I don't pay any more out of pocket. Like, okay, man, yeah. they're just trying to trick us. <laughs> I'm just that waiting for the day when it's all bundled together that you're yeah. just able to get like uh, your HBO oh. and and Hulu and Netflix and, and oh, I worry about that day. All that stuff bundled together. I <laughs> worry about that day. That's like that's the death of of streaming. You know, that's. It's I think it's the death of cable first. Yeah, well, it's the death of cable, but it's like a renewal of cable. Yeah, because it, it's like the same principle where you're going to sign up for a service that gives you all of these channels: right. HBO, Netflix, and Hulu, and it's going to serve the exact same thing, except it's a little bit more mobile this time. Right, which I like, but yeah, <laughs> I just hate the I just hate the idea of like having to. It's like the Disney thing where Disney is acquiring all of these yeah. things, and it's just going to be the same parent company. Uh, to all Eventually, these, like everything's going to be Disney or Amazon. <laughs> I know, or maybe Apple, Facebook. We'll see. <laughs> I want to live. I, I don't know. I, I want to live in an IKEA. That's that's my thing. Is like I so badly want IKEA to turn into like this like super mega bunker. And I want you to make a documentary about that. Trying to live in I, in IKEA. There, it's already out, man. They've ar- <laughs> they already did it. There's this movie out there that like it's like Simpsons did it. I don't know if it's like a documentary. But it's there, it's definitely a story of these people, like maybe a drama story. Yeah. But these people filmed in this IKEA like over the course of two months because you're not allowed to film in there, and they just like cut together this shitty feature. Wow. But that idea has been done, man. <laughs> Fuck. There's there's a couple movies that are like that that are just guerrilla style that people filmed in. Uh, there's one in Disney World. Disney too, World, yeah. That took like. Two and a half years or something yeah. like something ridiculous to to film. Yeah, but 
it's, oh, how do you go in there that much? It's that I feel like that's the budget. <laughs> like that's you're the budget. Just on admission it, yeah, tickets. and you better be like using that budget and going on some of those rides. At the same <laughs> time. <laughs> but there's got to be a point where you're just sick, like you're going to work basically to go to Disney. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's not the worst job that you mm, can do. This is true. So what's your? So you came through this program. I take it you're trying to get into writing, performing. Is that your bend, or what's your what's your long term goal? My long term goal. I want to direct. I've wanted to direct so badly for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I came to I came to this school not to like. I, I came to the school to like work on my writing, but I don't think it's my strongest thing. I came to the school really to like focus on direction and really hit the comedic image rather mm-hmm. than the comedic word. And so, yeah, I think I like that more than I do yeah. writing. But performance, too, I, I enjoy that as well. Yeah. Because I've, I've noticed you're in a lot of stuff. I know. <laughs> I, I, I like it. I, I love I love acting, and it goes back to the like, high school theater where that's like that's where my root is. And and you're dedicated, too, because the Dancing Man <laughs> oh, in, man. Uh, in Chris's term, too. I still haven't seen it. I still, I still haven't, haven't seen Dancing Man. I, I shot it. I still haven't seen it. He's, he's working on it, though. I, I know that he's... Every time I see him, he always gives me an update on Dancing Man. It's always like it's progressing. <laughs> it is moving. It was when he told me about what he had gotten space wise. Like it generally worked. I think if you if you went through and like replaced the ceiling like with something just yeah. white, that might work better. It's it was just that space was tough to yeah was tough to make film look that in. yeah make look good too yeah. So the, the the concept of this was a the weirdest way I can put it because it's it's a Chris Dritz's <laughs> original. Um, <laughs> But it is a film about an old man that is theoretically very, very rich and uh, and has this this man that's just dancing around in the room that he's laying in his in his bed, like with a respirator. And uh, and his lawyer comes in, played by Danny Marshall, past guest on the show as well, uh, who uh, is is trying to, you know, reason with him and talk about, I guess, I can't remember what the lines were, but it was effectively like his estate planning or yeah, something like, like that. Yeah, it's like something, yeah. And then, and then you're playing this dancing man in a you know one piece suit, a la the Green Man from uh, yeah. I'm from, in like a spandex from morph sunny. suit, yeah, <laughs> and just dancing around like a madman in the background and just making Danny really uncomfortable and completely unacknowledged by the old man. Yeah, <laughs> it's the closest thing to like a David Lynch thing that we've done at this school. I think it is just so out there. <laughs> it is. It is very Chris Dritz's though. It is very Chris. It it fits and in it works extremely well. Yeah. yeah. And it, so I'm I I still want to see the final one, but I I can't bemoan him too much. I still haven't finished my term two. We have to do more shooting on it. My term two I finished, but oh my god, the ending is just so atrocious. What was yours? It was called Mafia Monopoly, and it's about these four people who are playing Monopoly, and the three of them regularly play together. But then there's this one who they invite over, um, and he's this mob. He's a mob boss, and he's <laughs> able to like spawn uh, his goonies to like beat the shit out of them while they're playing Monopoly. Basically. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Who all's in that one? Um Brandon Sherman, who's the second city guy around here. Um Lydia House, who is very she's she's very into the annoyance. Okay. Um she does a lot of solo shows and she just had one in Second City. And then George Owens, who's mm-hmm. another Second City guy and who I went to uh, college with. Um he's blowing up as well. Uh him and Henrik Blix. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they do like a two person sketch team together. Okay, and then Ruskel Rosenbart, who I met on like Actors Access or something like yeah. that, or backstage. 
Um, and he's a cool guy. He's like a stand-up around here. Yeah. I, what I love is that this is a big enough city. I, I have not met or crossed paths with any of those. Yeah. But that's such like a normal thing. Like, yeah. It's equal equal parts normal to be on a production where you know nobody, like right. everybody's brand new, as well as like finding the same handful of people that people love working with. And I, I'd never worked with any of them on like a film set either. Yeah. Um, I'd only known them through their performance. And in Ruskell and Brandon's case, I, I only knew them through an audition. Yeah. But talented, talented yeah. people all around Chicago. It's so crazy. where's that in production? What? I mean, it's done. It's just like I had a I had a gimmick at the end where <laughs> and this is like the high like this is my high budget mind kind of <laughs> thinking where like in the end the the mob boss is like he wins the game and he's like you know saying fuck you guys this is the easiest game I've ever played you guys are the dumbest pieces of shit and as he's leaving um the FBI shows up and like three spotlights show on him and he he like resists for a second and gets just shot the fuck up Okay. You know, and that effect looked horrible. Oh no. Like <laughs> it, the shocking thing? Uh he like he like didn't do like a shocking like multiple bullets were going into him, but it was more like a it was a one bullet sniper shot. Yeah. And um it, it just didn't it just didn't look good. Like we tried to do a blood spray and oh. it just it just ended up not looking like good footage. Yeah. So it's kind of a flub. Are I guess you, are you gonna regard. try and reshoot it? I would have to reshoot. The problem is, I would probably have to reshoot the whole thing because it's in one location, and I don't have access to that location anymore because it was my old apartment. Oh. So I'm kind of like, I'm kind of out of luck on that. Uh, that sucks. It's either I like go back and just like shoot the script again, which I don't want to do. Yeah. Or or I sacrifice making it look totally discontinuous. Like everybody's term twos. I, I so I'm helping tomorrow morning reshoot a sequence from. Uh, Scott Fenton's term three. Oh sure. Uh, there were there's it, it worked without it, yeah. but he wants he wants like a couple like face up close up shots. Mm-hmm. So we're just gonna and one where somebody gets tossed off a bed. Okay. <laughs> so we're basically yeah. shooting like four That's a shots. Nice pickup day. Yeah, and luckily all the equipment was mine. The apartment was Carly's. Like it's it's easy enough to to pull that together yeah. and. and uh, and we we're, we're going to get our actor one last time because uh, uh, he just got in a conservatory. So or no, not conservatory. No, he got into. Um, uh what's the other one uh the the fellowship uh oh bob curry bob curry fellowship yeah. um so he just got that one my roommate is the one that got con- conservatory hell yeah nice well <laughs> so. congrats to your roommate if you're listening out there tony also <laughs> roommate you're an og <laughs> rob miller that's that's rob miller rob miller congrats to rob miller watch out for him uh, <laughs> <laughs> but so so you wanted to get into directing so what are you you're working on a bunch of stuff now you're like me you have like 50 different things going on at once yeah including and like, an animation project that yeah talk about. all of them are like not film and right. <laughs> it's just like the worst part um <laughs> i do yeah i do the po- i do statesman i do that podcast i'm so, so talk about statesman i know what it is but for anybody that's listening sure statesman is a podcast where we explore all 50 states with our five senses of perception so we like look at some shit we we smell some stuff, you know, all of this like sense inspired stuff by the state. So the the scent and taste and touch are the three that I'm most like. I get sure. see and hear, like those you can find on the internet. Right. But what are you? What are people bringing in that allows you to uh, to uh, to touch on the other three senses? So we so we don't ask the guests to bring anything in. It's it's my it's my two roommates, Anthony Rossi and Stuart Highcar, and myself, mm-hmm. and we. We collect all this information from the internet and present it to somebody who is not, fr- or who is from the state originally. Okay. So, um, 
so Anthony will do the PowerPoint and he'll like get a whole bunch of like visual slides of like various monuments and landmarks around uh, the state. Stu will collect music and you know commercials or or what have you. And then I'm in charge of uh, smell and taste. And taste that's kind of it's kind of obvious. You you look up like well, it's like a typical state food. Like we did Maine today with Leva Pierce, who yeah. was who's goes to the school or used to go to the school. And, she was, um, she's a former guest on the show too. So I did I did lobster. Okay. You know, I made I I made some lobster tail, and that's like very very obvious something to do. But then like the smell is something that you have to think a little bit harder about because yeah. it's so hard. It I really just like I shoot it in the dark. I I really don't. I really don't think about it all that hard. <laughs> I I will say smell is one of those things for me that is most like triggerable for memories. Right, of course. I, I it's it's ama- I can't remember what it was that I smelled the other day. Actually, I I don't know what the actual smell was, but it triggered me back to high school. Right. Uh to a specific time in high school of of like always going to the same look. It's yeah. just it's interesting how how tightly that ties to it. So There's, if you get the right thing, if I get the right thing, which I've only done like maybe twice, yeah, and uh, they were both by accident. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I have the same experience. I when I play new video games yeah. that I think are really good, I'll get this this smell, and it, it it has nothing to do with like the smell of the video game itself. Mm-hmm. It's just like almost an experiential smell hmm. by proxy. But it always brings me back to the time where in fourth grade I played RuneScape for the first time. Uh-huh. And a- since playing RuneScape, I just remember that smell. Like when I-, I played RuneScape, I played Guild Wars, which is another MMORPG. Yeah. And then I played WoW, another one. Right. And all three of them, I just remember this very distinct smell. I don't know. Huh. Fucky. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's off topic and tangential. No, but that's totally fine. Like, honestly. The show gets very bland if it winds up being the same like five questions I guess that, every I guess single that's time. Very, very like, true. I, I guess if the questions were were unique enough, not to say like the five senses thing doesn't give you a thousand different directions right. to go with it, but like, yeah, I've I've got a for those that have that have listened to a, for a while probably picked up. There's about maybe fifteen total questions that I really walk into one of these <laughs> with, and I rotate who gets what questions, <laughs> but. It gives me something to pull back right. from, and, and the, if it goes off on a tangent, awesome. We hey, get, like, that's what every show kind of does, though. They always yeah. ask. They're like, "That's their, that's their meat and potatoes." Yeah, and you. So you say you're twenty, you're twenty two episodes in, twenty episodes in. Um, we've released, I think, sixteen or seventeen. Okay. Um, as of February seventeenth, is this today? Uh, sounds about right. Not to yes. date us or anything. <laughs> um, well, this, yeah. this goes up tomorrow. This will go up oh, on the 18th. Oh shit! Nice. So, so people will. So it's it's close enough to. We have to like present. a two and three between like two between two and three weeks of of break between each episode. I got that way a couple times. Like I, yeah. I back recorded for the end of the term. I actually recorded like four within one week, mm. just so that I didn't have to do it through the rest of the term when I, when I was getting to that point. But now I'm at this point where I'm recording like the day before it goes up. Right. <laughs> and I need to get off of that. We do like, we do weekly on Sundays records, like weekly Sunday records. And sometimes they're Tuesdays, but like, man, doing like a weekly record, it gets so tiresome sometimes. Yeah, it can. It's nice when you can do if you can do a couple back to back. If you can line, yeah, them up you and knock just them out, knock out a two week time frame right. so that people can have like a week off or something yeah. like that. Because it's the actual the individual episodes aren't bad. Like I tried to set up to do a couple of the like to do this one and then do another one right afterwards. Oh and yeah, the other one just didn't end up working out. 
Uh, I'll probably interview that person later this week or next week. Okay. Uh, won't say who it is because I don't know if it'll. That, if hey, that's totally fine. There, there's been a couple of these, like Sam Lounsbury <laughs> that I had on last week. Yeah. I have been trying to book for like months, and it was like every time it I had an open worked. spot, every time I had an open spot, he was busy or he was Damn. working or he was not in town or something, and then. Then I would schedule like three other people, and eventually he would come back and be like, "Hey, you still want me on?" It's like, <laughs> "Yeah, we just got to find a time that works." And so it finally worked out. But, uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, it sucked for the for the scheduling and planning too when you're trying to incorporate multiple people. Yeah, I've think, only done a couple that have been four people. Most most of these are just been one on one. Yeah, I think I think lo- if, luckily for our podcast, it's easy because the uh, three people who are on the podcast all live together. So like, oh, okay. I live with Anthony and I live with Stuart. Mm-hmm. Um, so we really only have to schedule one person yeah. to come, um, and we usually just do it Sundays in the middle of the afternoon. So it's like people mostly aren't doing anything. Yeah. That day. <laughs> <laughs> um. So going back to on topic stuff. Sure. Yeah. So what what is your style? What are you trying to trying to get into to making? I think I'm like I think I'm still trying to figure that out. Um. I. Because I always I always have this very distinct taste in my mouth and like what I want, mm-hmm. but when I put pen to paper, it just doesn't taste the same. Um, it it's like unfocused, but it, it's like an unfocused splitting the divide between like comedy and horror. Okay, I really love that divide, but it's it's so or like thrillers too, like comedy and thrillers. I think are. I have so a theory related to this because I've talked about this before, but um, that the things that you find funny, the literally comedy is taking what you're expecting and then taking a left turn. Like that, that is how comedy works. Mm-hmm. It's it's t- uh, preying on people's expectations of whatever they're going to see and whatever it works out to be. Right. Um, you know, so something like since we've talked about Chris so much, something like Hinkle knows best. It is it is a you know standard uh, 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 Full House Boy Meets World style you know family sitcom, and the left turn is that it's all uh, greased up guys in speedos playing right. every role, male and female, through, right. the, through the whole show. That's the left turn, and that's that's where the comedy all comes from is just seeing that played out to you know to extreme. its fullest, right? Yeah, and so. I think that because you're the one mapping it, you're never going to be able to recreate the comedy that you enjoy most because you like the stuff that really gets you the most is the stuff that will trick you the most into having that left turn right before right before it happens. Uh, and so getting to the point where you can write that and like, like trick yourself almost. Exactly. Uh. Like it's almost impossible because you're effect like I, I imagine in a writer's room it's easier because you are able to kind of get something that's you know, 75% of the way there and has like the core story. Yeah. But then you get to laugh at the other jokes that other people are throwing out, but it's, it's some amalgamation. Like I, I was watching Bob's burgers before I came over here today. And the stuff that Gene says in that show is just, he, he is just a punchline machine. That is why the character exists (laughs) is to just have a punchline joke on like everything that happens with the, with the three kids. Right. And, and it's just, it's always a complete left turn and of, of whatever Mm. they're talking about. And it's, but it's brilliant. But I'm like, I don't know. I was thinking about like if I tried to write a spec episode, would I be able to do that? And I don't know that I could and have it hit as hard because I would know what the joke was going to be. Right. Hmm. I know that's that's a really interesting way to put it. I've never I've never heard of the idea of surprising yourself, which is I think that's a very, very interesting sentiment, because if you're I think in taking some of the stuff that we learn from Second City in that there's like truth in comedy. Yeah. 
um, to be able to surprise yourself in the truth yeah. is interesting or like maybe plays into that idea of like surprising yourself, like just figuring out your own truth, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Because I've, I've written stuff here and you may feel the same way that you you'll read it and you'll you'll go, oh, this feels hacky, boring, yeah. played out. And then somebody else reads it and like, this is really funny. Right. And it's it's like, is it though? Like I, but it's because I know the joke, and like I have to get to this point where it's like, for forgive the fact that I know where the joke is going, and just see if I can trick somebody else. Right. I kind of had a similar feeling on my last term project, mm-hmm. Upper Deckers, which, <laughs> which I hated. I you hated? I I hated you it after after a time because I knew what I knew what I wanted my joke to be, which. Which I think is very similar in Chris Tristis's style, where, like the the situation has presented itself on top, and we know like we know the shtick already, mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Um, I don't know. I just I really didn't like that thing. It just ended up not turning out the way I wanted it to be. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> but I I I will say that that was formative for me. That that felt your film. What? Because of Dom. Oh yes, of course. Because I I asked you afterwards. I was like, "Who shot this?" Because oh, it was because yeah. it was beautiful. And and you were like, "Yeah, Dom, this guy Dom Udell, oh, who's yeah. also been on the podcast before." But I wound up Dom shot both my term two and term three yeah. films. Yeah, uh, same with me. Shot my term two and term threes. Yeah, and just great guy to work with. Comes oh. with you know uh, Anthony Gibson package deal. Yeah, Zachary uh, Green sometimes too. I haven't yeah I haven't been able to work with Zach on one of my things. I've worked with him uh, on Dom's oh. uh, uh, short that we just shot a couple. All of weeks three ago. of those dudes are world class people. Yeah, Love they're them. great guys. Yeah. And so yeah, but that that was important. Like I, it's one of the big production relationships that I've had here. Yeah. Um, was from just asking you, hey, where how how did you get this gorgeous shot? <laughs> yeah, no, he he's really really he's really really something else. He I think the cinematography is my favorite part of mm-hmm. it all, and I think outside of that, um, uh, in in terms of writing and direction, I think it's miserable. <laughs> and that's, I'm being that's way why, too hard on myself. That's why it's here. Like I don't I don't think it's miserable. I think there's. I think there's there's always opportunities to tighten and like yeah. you know try different things, but that's why it's film school. You're there, not yeah, that's true. Like you're you're here to to figure out because I bet you walked away from that going, oh, if we would have done this, that would have given me options here. Totally. Because when, when you get in the editing room, that's when everything comes to twenty twenty yeah. vision. Is is when you're like, fuck, we should have shot coverage there. We should have. You know, film this other scene yeah. that I was thinking about adding. I shouldn't have made them say this line because it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> we shouldn't have spent twenty takes on this one line because right. they got it in the third one. Like, yeah, it's it, all that stuff just just comes piling in, and, it's, and over time, there's less of that. Like, yeah. there's more things where you're like, oh, got it. I think going back to the original question of like what I want, what I want to try to do, and like style wise, I really want. I love David Lynch mm-hmm. so fucking much. Because he's weird, but also because I think he's funny without realizing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think all of his films have like such a unique sense of humor that yeah. is unbridled or like un, un indelible. Yeah, it's just so recognizable. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just really like his style of comedy, even if he says that he doesn't do it. You know, <laughs> he denies that it exists. <laughs> right. Well, I've heard interviews with him where he. He talks with interviewers, and I think he was talking about Mel Brooks mm-hmm. at one point, and he was saying, like, I am not a comedian because 
Mel Mel Brooks is a comedian, and I I think totally different from the way that he does. Yeah, and, and that's that's because I I think that plays into what I was talking about before about the you know surprising yourself. Like, yeah, there are different kinds of comedies, and the stuff that I consume and love. I don't know that I could ever write that stuff. I yeah. mentioned Letter Kenny earlier, mm. uh, which you don't have the context of, but it, when you watch it, it is a very specific type of comedy, which is very much almost a sketch mentality of just finding a bit and running with it. Yeah, uh, for for as long as possible, and you like they'll do like runs of puns in the show, and uh, and just kind of form it into into the story. Yeah, um, but it's it's both stupid and brilliant at the same time. And that's the kind of stuff like, I don't know that I could ever write that sort of thing. Yeah. I, I'll have to, I'll have to watch it to yeah. identify it, but no, but I think that, yeah. Did you ever, did you ever actually direct uh, somebody else's piece or has it always been your own stuff? It's always been my own stuff. I've always wanted to direct, to direct somebody else's piece. Um, just nobody's giving me a script. Yeah. It's just the, it's just the bottom line. I, I would to love to direct something that you write. Tony. We should do We should do a script swap. Oh my God. That'd be great. That would be fun, because I I want some other stuff to direct, and I do want to try adapting other people's things. Because it there is something different when you see somebody else's script, you do visualize it in a different way. Like, and and I got that a couple times when I when I DP'd for people yeah. back in term one, that I I, I kind of started to see it and and saw what they were directing and thought, oh, this might work better. This right. could, this could be funnier, but it's not my place. And right. so. It was, part of what I was trying to experience was what it was like to just be a DP. And so I just kind of shut my mouth and only brought it up if it was a visual thing. Like yeah. If it's a visual gag that I can throw in, yeah, I'll show you how, to, how how that could work. But if it's like, oh, that line doesn't really hit, it's like, it's not my job. Yeah. I I, I like to take the approach that, um, like, get a, get, like, what you need and then, like, kind of get what other people say yeah. you, they think you need. Yeah. Um. Because there's there's always time, at least a little bit, to like maybe get one or two shots of something that somebody else thinks is good. Yeah, and it just might work way better in a in the in the film. And I, and I think that's a that's a open collaborative way of, of, yeah. of viewing it. But at least if you know John McNaughton and John Hancock are to be uh, believed on it, that's not the way that big that, budget things work. That, yeah, that it's it's very much a a power grab type yeah. environment, which is really weird to me. I don't know how that would work. Maybe maybe out of necessity because you're working with so much money that maybe that the producers or whoever you're working under as a director, like you just have to kind of work in that cage, I guess. Yeah. Well and I've also heard too actors will be taught by their agents and managers to do certain tasks on like in specific ways to make it more difficult to not use. Like if they, if they get a, if they get the shot that they want and they manage to shoot that first and that, and it's like a super close up that they'll kind of purposefully flub the mid oh. uh, shot enough so that they like when they go they can do it, editing, way. it has to be in, in close up. Um, I think one of my favorite <laughs> stories is actually about the, the interracial kiss from, from uh, uh, Star, original Star Trek run. Oh, I think I have heard this story. Where, uh, where uh, they, they, you know, uh, William Shatner was pushing for it. No, no, let's let's yeah. record the kiss, and they he did that one as best he could, and then gave flubbed them, the rest of them flubbed all the rest of them wow. on purpose, like so that the, when they went into the editing suite, the only one that worked was the was the kiss. Nice, you know, that's and sly, right? But and that's one of those ones where it's like, yeah, empowerment, awesome. But it's like there's other cases where actors will do that just specifically for self gain, right? 
and you don't and you can't do anything about it. like it seems so diva to me. It is so diva. It is so diva because it might just it might not serve the film. And which I, is it's, a bummer. I would never want to work with one of those actors. Like that's the thing I want to if I'm gonna hire an actor, I want to find out are they that kind of person. Right. Are you going to commandeer the ship? Yeah, exactly. Are you gonna try and take this over and yeah. own it from me? So um so you mentioned statesman, uh gotta talk about too many grandpas. Oh, for sure. Cause I'll I, try. I got to record a voice for that, and yeah. I'm, I'm very excited about Too Many Grandpas, although it sounds like the animator tough part is, is the tough part. It's the fucking moment. hardest part. Too Many Grandpas, just to explain it to you or listeners, is it's a show, our animated show idea between uh, Stephen Carter, Michael Schiff, and myself, um, where two twins have a, or inherit a grandfather clock, and whenever you put stuff into the grandfather clock, a corresponding grandpa is going to spawn and come out of that, that clock. And so these two kids use their newfound power of infinite grandpas to do their bidding and do whatever they want. And just spawn all sorts of grandpas from the Bible or from, you know. Roman times. Roman I mean, to- we could do, there's a, there's a, a fly Jesus in that episode where Jesus <laughs> is a, and I'm not talking about like lit dress, you know. He's not wearing any drip, but he, uh, uh, he's a fly. He's a literal buzz buzz fly. <laughs> How many episodes have you recorded? Is it just the one? Oh, or? it's just that one because we want to do like a five minute like pilot before mm-hmm. we do any like big episodes um, just to like push stuff online and we have no idea any about any of this animation shit. So it, yeah. it's go, it just goes so slowly. What's the destination for it? Is it just uh, stick on YouTube or something? Or I think we want to do like NYTVF and okay. whatever like animation festivals that we can get into. Um, Comedy Central has like that open submission for animated yeah. pilots and stuff like that. Um, so I think we're going for that. Um, but then I, I, personally, I would love to have it just live on YouTube. Yeah. I think that's like a great way to get like online content. Yeah. Just out there, and it but, just doesn't make money. But yeah, YouTube sucks. At the same time, they're just a terrible corporation. <laughs> it's right magical now. and terrible yeah. at the same time. Yeah, like such I'm, a beautiful platform, and they get to fuck it up, like yeah. just by demonetizing for no reason. It's like, come on, guys. Well, we need to compare notes because I'm trying to work on uh, my animated project yeah. too on Super Awesome Clean Team Go. Straight up, like if you if you even have a whisper of an animator, please let yeah. me know. Well, as so long as they're here, I want a Chicago-based animator. Well, That's so we, like, we had the. Did you talk to either of the guys at the? We just had a um, film club meeting uh, the other night that, that you came to. God damn it! Uh, <laughs> we just gotta get who. Who was it there? I know Mar- Mariah Martel said something. Yeah, it was her and the dude she was with, uh, whose name Eddie, I'm blanking on. Maybe. Eddie. Yes, yeah. that sounds right. Yes. Um, who was in Dom's um, commando shoot. Oh, nice. Uh, I haven't seen that. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't think it's, I don't think he's released an edit of it yet. It's it's in Zach's reel already, some of the footage. Right? Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. But, uh, but no, I'm, I'm. And I have seen a clip. It, it'll be, it'll be funny. Yeah, I, I'm I'm fairly certain there's too much good stuff there not to get something good out of it. But yeah, too many grandpas. It's just like it's so hard to get an animator right now. Where I'm still recording sound for it. I'm yeah. I'm very much slacking on. Uh, and I'm sorry, Stephen and Michael, if you're listening. I'm slacking on my work for too many grandpas. I still what else re- do you have to get? I have to record Werner Herzog, and that's I'm recording for you one, for me. And it's like it's like three lines, and I'm just I'm. I'm lazy. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so when you want to, you let me know. I will come in and, and be your opposite voice on, on that just to help you out with uh, with the record process so you can focus on just the voice. Please. Uh, I, I mean, it's really only like he's like the punchline of some of the scenes. 
So yeah. all I really have to do is I just have to hone in the voice and reserve reserve the room, the soundstage one one afternoon. Yeah. I'll I'll come after work and, <laughs> and come record it with you. Hot damn, Tony, let's do we'll it. We'll get it done. We'll get it done. Uh, well, if people want to try and track you down on social media, see the other stuff that you're working on, find the Statesman Podcast. Where can they uh, Where can they see you? All right, so you can find me um, at you can find me on Instagram mostly um, at Young Garlic Y U N G underscore G A. R L I C. Young Garlic. It was like my junior <laughs> year of college, and I saw on the internet one day, like, to call someone a garlic in Korean is incredibly offensive. <laughs> I don't know why, but okay. I, I found that super funny. And there was like the rap trend, like the trap trend of always putting young yeah. in front of like, uh, uh, in front of your name. So Young Garlic just kind of came out of that. And then, um, you can find Statesman at Statesman Podcast on Instagram and Facebook at Statesman Pod on Twitter at Statesman Podcast at gmail.com. All right. Awesome. Yep. Well, thank you, sir, for coming on. Very thank much you for having it. me, Tony. I've, I've been waiting to get on this thing for so long. <laughs> I've Why don't people just, t- if you run into anybody else and says that, tell me. Because I, I like I'm I'm I feel like every every week I'm scrambling to find somebody. Oh, I well I you can just like go down the list I feel like and just like start picking people off like that. I have had some people that are like scared to do it. What? So, yeah, that are. You're uh, such a personable guy. Well, it's not even that. I think it's just talking about themselves is just awkward for them. And I'm fucking great at that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, thank you, Tony. I really appreciate it. And that was Tim Ferrari. Thank you to Tim and to the Harold Ramis Film School and the Second City staff for their help. The song on this week's episode was Magic Pills by Kathy D. off her new EP, Nostalgia Addict. Find it now on iTunes and Spotify. This show was recorded and edited by me, Tony Lazzaroni. If you want to hear more from me and my classmates, teachers, and a few special guests, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. If you have questions or comments, send us an email at filmstudentpod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Instagram at filmstudentpod. And be sure to check out some of my and my classmates' work at filmstudentpod.com, where you can also find links to all of our past episodes. See you all next week. Class dismissed. My magic is alone.